A lot of stuff going on here today. It's great to have you with us. Uh, just so much happening right now um, in the month of October and so, things that we're very excited about. But I'll tell you what, I am really looking forward to the message that God has laid on my heart for today. And I want to take you to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis uh, is the book of beginnings. And there's a story that we're going to not read through, but I'm going to share with you. And, and the reason that I'm going to do it this way is because uh, it really spans chapters. And so I really want to bring that all together. And so it's about a man that originally we're told that his name was Abram. But we read eventually that God gave him a new name. It wasn't a big change, uh, but God changed his name to Abraham. <clears throat> and his story begins in uh, Genesis chapter 12. And God tells Abraham that he wants him to leave home and that God was going to lead him to a place, but he's not going to tell him where it is, but he's going to lead him to it, okay? Now, We've got some, uh, some northern students that are here today, and uh, many of them have left home, and they've come to a land that God has told them about, uh, but, but they, uh, they're, you know, on average, they're, you know, they're about 20 years old, okay? Abraham was not a 20-year-old man. Abraham, at this point, was 70 years old. We call that a late bloomer. Evidently, he had just not left the nest. Um, but, but God said, Abraham, I want you to leave home. I want you to leave your extended family, his father's house, and, and the rest of, uh, of the extended relatives. And I'm going to take you, I'm going to lead you to a place. And that place is a place that I'm going to show you. God made some other promises to him. And, and as, as Abraham got a little bit older, uh, he got 75, God began to really specifically lay these promises on his heart. And he said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. Now the problem with this promise was that Abraham is now 75 years old and Abraham doesn't have something that is very critical to becoming a father kids. Abraham does not, and because God was talking about his wife Sarah and himself, that God was going to make Abraham a father of many nations. He promised him that he was going to make him a blessing, that he would make his name great, that all the people of the earth would be blessed through him. And he said, I am going to give your offspring land, all the land that you see at this point when he made that promise to the north, to the south, to the east and to the west, it's all there for your heirs, for your family. But he didn't have any kids. And he said, Adam, from your body, I'm going to give you a son. He's 75 years old. Now, my wife and I, we, uh, we, we had our, our youngest, we were a little older. We were, we were 40 years old when Isaac came into our lives. And let me tell you, we thought 40 was old. Imagine 75 years old and God makes this promise. 
Abraham and Sarah did not have any children. Let me give you the, the real, the, I, I don't think I can really express the true, the true depth of what that means, but people would look at you and believe that you were cursed by God. That God had literally closed your womb as a woman. That somehow the, the, that, that you had done something or someone in your family had done something that was so wrong that God was ju- bringing judgment on you and you were cursed as a result of that. But in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6, it says, Abraham believed God. In fact, it says, but Abraham believed God. In spite of what his neighbors thought, in spite of what his wife may have thought, in spite of what his extended family may have thought, Abraham believed God. In spite of how old he was, in spite of the fact that he didn't have any children, Abraham believed the Lord. Now let's fast forward to 90 years old. 90, okay? This is not, this isn't dog years, okay? This is 90 years old. Now the Lord reaffirms his promise to Abraham. He even, he even says it again, but there's the problem, he doesn't have any heirs. God reaffirms these promises, and yet there is no one that he can pass these promises down to. And then again, the Lord appears to him. He's 99 years old. And the Lord gives him that promise again. In fact, he gets really specific. And the Lord says, in one year, I will return. And when I return, you will have a son who has been born to your wife, Sarah. That's pretty specific. Sarah is 89 years old at this point. The Lord appeared to Abraham. There are three three angels of the Lord that appeared at Abraham's tent and were talking to him, reaffirming these promises. And Sarah did what any really good wife would do with super thin walls. When the angels of the Lord appear to your husband to talk to him, she listened in. She wanted to know what they were saying and she heard the Lord reaffirm the promise that in one year I'm coming back and your wife Sarah is going to have a son. And the Bible says that she laughed. Ladies, <laughs> there's some things that you might laugh at. That's that I, I can understand that. 89 years old. She didn't laugh because she didn't want a child. Do you know why she laughed? She laughed because she thought that it wasn't possible. In fact, here's what she said. I love these words. She said, I'm worn out. You ever felt worn out by life? God has promised something and you're, just worn, you're so worn out you can't, you can't even imagine it happening. She said, I'm worn out. And my master, speaking of her husband, and my master is old. This promise has got to come through me and it's got to come through him and I'm telling you, it's not happening. Okay? She, she wanted it to happen terribly because she, she wanted it, the, the promise of God. She wanted a child, but she said, listen, I, I'm just worn out. And the angel's response to that 
in Genesis 18 was this, is anything too hard for the Lord? One year later, one year later, Abraham is 100, Sarah is 90 when Isaac is born. I want you to imagine for a moment Abraham's relief. He's been believing God all these years for this promise that God has given him and now his wife is pregnant and she gives birth to a son and they call him Isaac. And this is, this is incredible. Imagine living around them. Imagine the, the, the talk that would happen. You know, Abraham and Sarah, 190, they're pregnant. Can you imagine how much fun people would have with that? It's incredible. But, but yet, we see that Abraham believed God. It happened. I wish that was the end of the story for Abraham's sake, but it wasn't. I've got to continue and tell you more in the story. And and. What, what the, the, the Bible scholars and those that do timelines in Scripture, because we're not given an exact, uh, an exact age of Abraham, they believe that 15 years after Isaac's birth, all of a sudden, and can you imagine the joy, okay, that Abraham feels 15 years later? Well, Lord, you came through on your promise, and he's still here. Some of us, you ever feel that way when your kids hit a certain age? Well, thank you, Lord, they made it, you know. I, I, <laughs> I don't know if I've irreparably damaged them, but praise God, they made it, okay? They're, we call them blessings, you know what I'm saying? But then, you know, there's also, we just want them to get graduated, and we want them to, you know, to, to, to get to that next phase in their life. I imagine Abraham's contentment looking over and seeing this, this, this beautiful, and if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about, this beautiful young man, the picture of strength and youth and vitality and, and the incredible emotion that welled up in Abraham when he saw him, and then God comes knocking on Abraham's door and he says, Abraham, I want you to do something. He said, you see that beautiful child? that I gave you. I want you to take him and I want you to go up to Mount Moriah and there I want you to sacrifice that, that gift that I gave you, that promise that I gave you. I want you to sacrifice him to me. I want you to think of that. Notice it doesn't say anywhere in Scripture that Abraham told Sarah. If Abraham had told Sarah, I think Sarah would have been like any mom today. You're doing no such thing. But what happened? The Bible says that Abraham got all of the supplies packed up. See, they were going to a place where there, there were no real trees to, to, to work with to get wood. There was, he, he had to take fire with him, okay? 
He didn't have, you know, some gasoline and some matches, you know, Boy Scout water. He, they didn't have all of that. He had to take everything with him. And so they get everything packed up and, 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 and uh, Abraham says to Isaac, hey, Isaac, we're going to go on a trip. We're going to go sacrifice to the Lord. And, and like any kid would, he's only concerned about what he's got to really worry about or what he's being told. And so they pack up and they get going. They're on this three-day journey and they get to, to the, the, the Mount Moriah and, and Abraham says, okay, we're going to unload here. And so they, they unload and, and pretty soon Isaac starts to process things here and he said, well, I, I see we've got the fire and I see that we've got wood, but what are we going to sacrifice? What are we going to sacrifice And I can only imagine what Abraham was feeling at that moment when his son asked him that question. When he looked at him and he saw all the promises from age 70 and 75 to 90 and 95 and 99, I can only imagine what was going through Abraham's mind at that very moment. I can imagine that he said, God, why did you ever ask me to leave my home country? Why did you ever tell me that you would give me a land for my heirs, that I could look to the north, south, east, and west, and you would give every place I see to them? Why did you promise me a son? Why did my wife ever get pregnant? Why did she give birth if you're only going to ask for him back again? I imagine that that went through his mind. His response was this. He didn't say all of those things that he was feeling. He simply said what he believed. The Lord will supply the sacrifice. Those are powerful words. Powerful words. I want you to imagine that. So he builds the altar. He arranges the wood. The scripture says that he binds his son. I don't know if Isaac was a willing participant in this or not. But then he lays his son on the altar. And the Bible says that he takes his knife Can you imagine walking over to get your knife, realizing that you're going to walk over to the sun, who literally the sun rises and sets on that boy, that God has said, sacrifice him to me. I can see him hold that knife. I can see him put his hand to steady that boy so he can't wiggle away. This is reality. I can imagine him as he begins to pull the knife back, realizing that the blow that he strikes out of compassion needs to be a blow that will kill him quickly. And he slowly raises the knife 
And as he gets to a full backswing, I can imagine God's voice. Because it was so perfectly timed. Abraham! I don't think Abraham looked up. I imagine him freezing in that moment and saying, God, what more do you want from me? Not moving a muscle. And the Lord said, Abraham, I know now that you fear me. I know now that you will not hold anything back from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket. Abraham called that place God will provide. That's where we get the words, the Hebrew words Jehovah Jireh, my provider. His grace is sufficient for me. Today, four o'clock we're going to gather back in this place and we're going to have some Jehovah Jireh moments and see how God has provided but today I want to talk with you for the next 15 minutes about greater faith and the areas that we need to have greater faith in the ways that we can have greater faith Number one, if we're going to have, if we're going to come to that place where God does greater things through us, we need greater faith and, and, and we need faith that God can do more than we think possible. Have you ever had anybody tell you that something that you wanted to do was not possible? Have you ever had them tell you that? Let me ask you this. How much faith does it require to do something that's already been done, that everybody else has done? Not, not very much. It, it doesn't take much faith. But if, if no one's ever done it, it, it requires a lot more faith. And sometimes people will say to you that it can't be done, that's impossible. They'll say, in fact, they'll say, it, you're crazy, it's impossible. And, and how is it that you believe that it's possible and they don't? It's because you have faith and they, they're not exercising any faith. God told Abraham, I'm going to give you a son out of your own body. He told him that at 90. He told him that at 95 and again at 99 years old. Even if his own wife didn't believe it and she heard it from the angel's mouth, he believed that God said that, that in, even though he didn't understand it, he believed what God said, he believed what God promised, even though he, he, could not, he couldn't prove that it could happen, he didn't understand how it would happen, he, but he believed that God said it and therefore it's got to be true. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3.20, this is, this is incredible. If, if you're taking notes, make sure that you, that you go back later and that you look at this and spend time on this. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according 
to the power, to his power that is at work within us. I want you to imagine, if you're taking notes, just draw a line across your page and imagine that that line goes, goes uh, infinitely in either direction because that's what, you know, in, in, in like geometry and algebra and all that stuff that I didn't do very well in, that's what the, a line goes that, it, it just keeps going. So it keeps going to the left, it keeps going to the right uh, in, in, into infinity. But then I want you to think about something that God you know, that, that you, you believe that God wants to do. And I want you to imagine the limits or the boundaries that you or I put on that, okay? And just sort of, sort of put a parenthesis on each side of, of how, how far you think that would extend, how big it could be. And then I want you to think that God is so big that his ability goes infinitely past your left parenthesis and infinitely past your right parenthesis. So whatever you and I could imagine, and you can meet someone with faith that will really challenge you. You can meet somebody that, that believes and, and puts you to shame and you, are, you just feel small. But even that person, God's power and, and, and ability goes infinitely beyond both directions of what they could ever believe God for. Greater faith is the ability for us to believe beyond the limits of our imagination. But I want you to get this. It's not because of us. It's because it's according to his power, which is at work in us. It's his power. It's not ours. It's his. And that's why we can believe it. That's why we can see God do that. He wants to do things through us that are beyond the limits of our imagination. He wanted that for Abraham. He wants that for you in your personal life. And he wants it for us as a church as well. Number two, in order to come to that place where God is going to do greater things through us, we need faith to act on what we believe. You see, Abraham believed God, but he also acted on what he said he believed. God, Abraham believed God's promise that he would be the father of many nations. He believed God for a son. Yet when God asked Abraham to sacrifice that same son, he did not doubt. He raised that knife not because he thought God would stop him, but Scripture literally tells us that, that Abraham believed God, that God would raise that boy from the dead if need be. Okay? I wonder if he had a thought, God, I'm now 115, how can you do this again? But that would, would not take into account his love for that child. God, this is the son that you promised me. And, and imagine, God, if that means you've got to raise him from the dead, I believe that you'll do it. But that was his, his willingness to act on what he believed. James chapter 2 or excuse, yeah, 2, verse 17, it says, Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. In verse 22, James says that, it, that, um, that action makes our faith complete. 
Literally, there's a partnership that, that takes place between faith and action and that, that those things work together. They were doing so simultaneously on Mount Moriah. They do so in our own lives when we believe God for something that we know there's no way that it could happen in earthly means. We've got to believe that as we look at what God wants for us as a church. Faith and action working together. It's not enough to just say we have faith. We have to have action. We have to be willing to act on that faith. Our action is a demonstration of the existence of our faith. And then number three, we need faith to rest. Some of you are like, yes, finally, nap time. That's not really what I mean. Can you imagine Abraham and Sarah telling their friends that they were pregnant? Think about that, okay? I don't know many uh, 100-year-old men. I've known some 90-year-old women. My great-grandmother lived with us until just before she was 94. And if my great-grandmother had come to me and said, Kevin, I'm pregnant, I would have said, Grandma, Daisy, (laughs) um, you're just having another one of those episodes. (laughs) Okay, grandma, great-grandma Daisy, I mean, just, you know, it's just the epitome of just, you know, I, I mean, there ain't no babies. No, this is not happening, you know. But they, can you imagine them telling people that? I know that it would be something challenging, but God promised it, I'm sure Abraham said, and therefore I believe it. I want you to think about that for a moment. I, I've had, I, I know I have weird thoughts, okay, but sometimes I just have to share those weird thoughts with you. Um, would a 90-year-old woman hear a baby cry in the middle of the night? I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I'm a little worried about that, but somehow... It happened. Either Isaac just was this amazing child that needed no care after everybody went to sleep, or God gave that woman supernatural hearing at 90 to be able to hear that baby cry. Man, I, it's just incredible. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Sometimes God is going to lead you in places that go against conventional wisdom and well-meaning, intelligent friends and relatives are going to tell you why you shouldn't do it. And in those times, we must simply rest in God's power rather than on human wisdom. Now, don't get me wrong. I pray for wisdom all the time. I pray James chapter 5 because I... because. Because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I need his wisdom. I pray it all the time. And, and scripture says that, that when I lack wisdom that I ask of God, he gives great generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to them. I pray that. I claim that. I go over to chapter 3, verse 17 of James and, and, I, and it says the wisdom that comes down from heaven and I say, Lord, that's what I want right there. Not an earthly wisdom. I want the wisdom that comes down from heaven. That's what I seek, okay? And there are times when God will speak to us and it doesn't match up with earthly wisdom. What are we going to do in those moments? 
I'm not looking for that earthly wisdom. I'm looking for the kind that comes down from heaven. Number four, we need to consider, not consider rather, your dead resources. This is really important. I want you to get this. When God, the re- and the reality of, of Abraham's age was not lost on him. He knew this was funny, okay? He knew, but it was serious. It was not lost on Abraham. We joked, uh, man, I, I, I joked, I still joke about us being 40 when Isaac was born. It's funny. Now, <clears throat> the night she told me it was anything but funny. Abraham, he knew that there, this, was, this was humorous. When God promised him that child, she, she didn't believe it. She laughed, not because she didn't want it. She wanted it desperately to erase the, the scourge of shame. I, I got to tell you, I believe something. I believe something right now, and I can't explain it, but I just have to tell you that some of you want to believe so bad because it will erase a scourge of shame in your life if God comes through. And that's most of all, it's, it's, that's what you're, you're, just, you're longing for, that God would erase pain and sorrow and shame that you have. I don't know who that's for today, but I believe that it's for someone. She wanted that child more than anything else, but she knew that her reproductive organs were literally worn out. She laughed because her husband was an old man. Even if, even if she were still a young woman, my master's an old man. Paul, in Romans 4, and I'm going to read from the New King James. This is powerful, what he says in verses 17 and 18. He said, As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not, this is Abraham, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Abraham did not consider his own dead body. When God said, Abraham, this is what I'm going to give you, He didn't consider his dead body or his wife's dead womb. He had faith. Faith in a God that that calls those things that do not exist as though they do. Some of you, as we move forward into this greater things project, some of you are going to have to do that in order to participate You're going to have to do that. And you're going to be tempted to look at your dead resources. Abraham knew that he was dead. 
You're going to look at your resources and your finances and all you're going to see is something that is dead. And you're going to say, there's no way. It's not possible. It can't be done. But the Bible says that Abraham did not consider those dead, his dead body, his dead resources, because life would flow out of his body. He needed that body to be alive enough in order for this to happen. He didn't consider the deadness of himself or the deadness of his wife's womb. But he had faith. He believed God's promise. And I'm going to end quickly with this. Number five, we need faith to speak to mountains. God told him he was going to be the father of many nations. The problem was he didn't even have one child. Being childless was a mountain that stood in his way, in the way of him receiving God's promise. Whenever God calls you to something that's bigger than yourself, you can be assured that you're going to face very significant mountains along the way. They're going to stand in the way of what God promised you. Jesus said in Matthew 21, 21, he said, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. When we possess greater faith, we can speak to what is standing directly in our path and in the name and the authority of Jesus, we can tell it to move out of our way. I guarantee you that in this process of greater things and, and what God is calling us to do as a church, I guarantee you there will be mountains in our way as a church. There's going to be mountains in your way, once you commit to participate. Jesus said we can speak to those mountains. We can speak to those mountains and say, out of my way. We don't have to let them defeat us. We can speak to them. I believe that this message today applies to every area of your life. If you're here today and you've just been struggling with faith, it, it, that, that, even if God, if God knows, if God cares, if God is aware of my life, this applies to you. Because that same faith and confidence that God is who He says He is and He's done what He said He did, and he will do what he says he will do. That's the same faith that you need. You see, that's saving faith. And so everything that I've just preached applies to all of us from the one who is struggling with doubts about whether or not God cares all the way through our lives, what we're facing in our own personal lives, but what God is calling us to also as a church. It's going to be challenging I, I guarantee you that it's going to require more faith than maybe we've ever had before. That you're going to be tempted to just let others handle it. You're going to be tempted to say, well, if God does it, great, but He's going to have to do it without me. As we seek God about the direction of our church, He continues to confirm our steps. 
We're going to be tempted to say, well, God, this is what I can do, and it's going to be just us without faith. It's just going to be what we see. Some of us, we're going to look at our resources and we're going to say, it's dead, God. It's not possible. There's no way. Scripture says that without faith, we cannot please God. Which is why I believe that he often leads us to places where the water is deeper than our level of comfort. Because he wants us to operate in faith. I close with the scripture. Matthew, or excuse me, Mark chapter 10, verse 27. It says, with man, this is impossible. But not with God. All things are possible with God. Man, I believe that that's his message to his people. Not just at Silver Creek, but at churches all over the world today. That he desires us to believe for the impossible. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We're going to close this service. And this morning, maybe you are struggling to believe God for something today. Maybe you're struggling to believe God for the salvation of a spouse. Maybe you're struggling to believe God for the salvation of one of your kids. Maybe it's a relationship with your parent and you, you've longed for that relationship for such a long time. And you're struggling to believe that it will happen. I believe that God wants to provide that. And today he's calling us to a place of greater faith. It's, he's calling us to a place where it's not just believing, but also the marriage of, of believing and doing together. Believing and acting because that's what brings our faith into greater focus. That's what makes it real. That's what is literally the, de the definition of it. And if that's you today, I want you to be able to find a place here at this altar to find some, some time just to, to bring that to God and to say, God, you, you, know, you know what I'm struggling with to believe that, that I, I believe you desire it, but it hasn't happened and it's been so long. Maybe there's others that have told you that it's not possible. God says, with him all things are possible. I'm going to have the worship team just begin to lead us. If this is where you're at, and I don't know what it's about, I don't know what the issue is, but God does. And I believe that right now he's literally speaking to hearts, whether they're out in the hub or here in the sanctuary. And it's just, you, you've, you, man, you, you've wrestled with this long and hard. This is not a fly-by-night thing probably in your life. This is a big thing. And there are those that have said it's not possible, it can't happen. And you have trusted the Lord, but it hasn't come to pass. I want you to come and just find that place. And, and I, I believe God's going to encourage you today. I believe that when you leave this place, you're going to have a, a, an uplifted faith. You're going to have greater faith. Why? Because God's word today has touched your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. As the worship team leads, if that's you, whether you're in the hub or, or here in the sanctuary, I want you to come. Don't miss what God wants to do in your heart.